Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. I'm your coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and I'm here to share all my ups, downs, and all-arounds of being a mom to my gorgeous Adia, owning a fitness business called Define London, and truly managing being a unsingle single mom as we cheer on my husband and his amazing business in Uganda. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Is this a mic check? You heard that right. Uganda, and he is not doing the daily commute. So each week, I will be joined by a fellow inspiring, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We all need to take a deep breath together. We try, we navigate, and not be too hard on ourselves. I get it. I am human, and failures simply happen. I am not shiny, and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am, at its best and worst, busy mumsy. Before we get started with this week's show, I have to give a huge shout out to my much-loved sponsor of this episode, the brilliant Ready, Set, Jet. Now, this brand is a must in my makeup bag, and I genuinely love their vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, gluten-free, environmentally conscious, I mean, oh my lanta, it is the good stuff for you, especially their beauty batons that do everything I need, cleanse, hydrate, and deliver full-face, buildable color, essential for all of us mama bears, right? I'm a great friend with Ready, Set, Jet founder, Shalina Videra, and when I told her about this podcast and my beautiful listeners, she was so excited to create a partnership and get involved, as the brand's mission is to meet more women where they are in their motherhood journey and enrich their busy lives with versatile makeup that delivers beauty that moves with you. And this really does exactly that. So you can now discover why I'm such a super fan of Ready, Set, Jet. These products are epic. So they've created a fab listener deal. And now are you ready? They are going to give all of you busy mumsy listeners a fab 30% off their amazing beauty batons, which are three skincare and makeup sticks that can replace your whole makeup bag. Trust me, busy mumsies, you will love these. Head to the link in the show notes right now and don't forget to use the listener only code busy30. That's B-I-Z-Z-I-3-0. Oh my gosh. Another song just started playing. It's B-I-N-G-O-B-I. Okay, so so let, let's rewind it and let's do this right. That's B-I-Z-Z-I-3-0. Get that discount. Oh my, you're gonna love that 30% off. Yes! See? I know. I got you. I am your hype girl. See how Ready, Set, Jet's amazing range can inspire you to live in your skin and transform the world. Now on with the show. It's Wednesday, which means it's time to have a busy mumsy chat. Ah, I'm feeling good today. I'm excited to reconnect with today's guest, the boss babe herself, Anna Victoria. Anna and I met a couple of years ago on a panel I was hosting for Women's Health Live. We chatted back then about that want, that need to, you know, have a child. And well, here we both are a few years later and both with baby girls. Anna is the creator of the FitBody app, which she launched in 2015. She has been helping and inspiring hundreds of thousands of women around the world to achieve their fitness goals and improve their mental, emotional, and physical health. Alrighty, friends, let's bring Anna Victoria onto the show. Anna 
Victoria. Welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank ah. you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, it, you know, once again, sliding into the old DMs of the Instagram and emailing folk, you know, just like <laughs> wrangle on my side. But I am so thrilled to reconnect with you. So we met for the Busy Mumsy listeners, Anna and I met at the Women's Health Live event. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are we, is this 2018 or 2019? I, I think it was 2019 because that was my first year. I think it was the second year of them doing the event. Yeah. And the third year they were going to have me back and it was 2020. And this awful thing called COVID. Yeah. Happens. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> well, with that said, I, I, I personally just hate talking about 2020 and 2021. Um, but yeah. magical things happened for <laughs> you and I in 2020, especially. Um, you have a delicious, glorious baby girl named Aurora. Am I correcting yeah. that? Correct. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> you have a absolutely divine husband by the name of Luca. And I had the pleasure of meeting also. Um, he he's like your your wingman. Also, he when it's events and everything, it's quite special. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to rewind because I actually am looking down at my notes. I, I, I like to do like a little note recce before I have anyone on the show. Yeah. And what I have written at the top is you are fearless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sounds about right. You just simply are and you empower, you are women empowerment. And I want to rewind back for the listeners to hear your story first of your travels, because I want to talk about where you met and fell in love with someone. <laughs> yes. And your husband. Luke. Yes. Yeah. So pretty much I um, was, it was my senior year going into my senior year of college. I had the opportunity to study abroad and like, just to preface this by like, I did not grow up in a world where studying abroad was ever going to be an option. Like I was financially independent and on my own from the day I turned 18 years old, I was working full time, going to school full time. I had to pay for my tuition, you know, so I was just, my life was not anywhere in a place where it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to take a semester off and go study abroad. That was like, just not in my world. And I, um, remember sitting in one of the first classes of the fall semester, I think junior year, they were talking about study abroad programs. And I was kind of zoning out. So I was like, this isn't for me. This is for like, you know, the kids who are able to afford that. And they were like, oh, there's a three week study abroad program in Rome. And I was like, three weeks, like that might be something that I can do, you know, and I Literally, long story short, I took out a student loan <laughs> to support myself over that summer, those three weeks of taking off work for three weeks, plus the tuition um, that it cost. Met Luca <laughs> while I was there, actually through a friend from school in San Diego that she was studying abroad from Milan. So a lot of you know crazy coincidences happened um, for Luca and I to meet and he eventually was moving to San Diego. I went to University of San Diego. He was moving to San Diego six months later anyways. So like just so many crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Serendipity. Yeah. So we did long distance for six months. He moved to San Diego. Um, we both honestly just knew like from the beginning, like there was never a conversation of like, what are we doing? Like what's, you know, like, what are we 
you going to be together? Like, blah, blah, blah. It was just like, no, this is it. Like we're together. This is, we're building our life together. It was like an unspoken thing that we just knew. We both had just ended like seven year on off relationship. So like we both had been through the ringer <laughs> relationship wise, knew what we wanted, what we didn't want. And it was just, yeah, like you said, serendipitous, everything just kind of came together. And here we are 11 years later. Yeah. So, well, and, and this is why I wanted to lead with you are fearless mm-hmm. because firstly, Americans, it's it's kind of a, a true statement saying about 65% of Americans, A, do not have passports. Mm-hmm. And yeah. knowing that you just kind of like, you were fearless and you got that passport mm-hmm. and you thought, you know what, I can do three weeks. I can do this. And you, yeah. you know, you packed your bags and you went for it. You flew all the way across America and then up and over yeah. to, to Rome to just into a world and a land that, you know, you just had no clue to then come back in love yeah, and, and you know, ready to take on the world and, and, and who knew, knows mm-hmm. what was going to happen. And so Luca made the move to San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He did. And he was there for about six, seven months, his student visa. So he came to study English. Um, his family businesses, they have um, a hospitality hotel business in Rome. And so obviously they deal with a lot of American tourists, <laughs> you know, and so he was coming to study English. The funny thing is, is that in the six months that we did long distance, I taught him more English than he ever learned in any program, of course, you know. So but anyways, he had to get the, um, I believe the TOEFL certificate of like him, you know, studying English for his master's program that he wanted to eventually do. And um His student visa was expiring the same time I was graduating college with my bachelor's. And so he, you know, looked at me and was like, okay, what what are we going to, what do we want to do? And he was, you know, the conversation was that he wanted to do his master's in hospitality. And there was a campus. um, They had campuses all over the world. There's one in Marbella, one in Switzerland. And then he found there's one in Shanghai. And he was like, do you want to move to Shanghai? And I was like, yeah, why not? And so we just, you know, packed up our bags and moved to China for a year together. And yeah. <laughs> just sensibly and casually packed the bags now. And yeah. we are off to Shanghai where, yeah. okay, so you're, you're there for one year. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And so taking in the culture, what what did <laughs> you dive into? Like what was like the one thing that you got involved in? You know, what's so funny is this has like nothing to do with Chinese culture, but what I did dive into during my time there was my fitness journey. That is how I got started was because I was put in a completely foreign country across the world from anyone I knew. And I really was Luca had been telling me all the months prior, like I was having health problems and he was like, you need to start eating better, taking care of yourself. It was never from a place of like how I looked, but I truly was having like digestive issues and this and that. And over the months of complaining, he was like, I think it's because you eat fast food three times a day. And I, the American me was like, no, it's not, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that. It's delicious. I love it. Um, but pretty much once we got to China, I was like, okay, like I have the, the mental space now. I don't have distractions all around me. Like I can start focusing on eating better and working out. So that's really what I immersed myself into. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
I do think that being there taught me a lot of amazing life lessons about like different cultures and that cultures have a way of doing things. It's not a right or a wrong, just a different approach, you know, I think that was something really valuable with my time there, but I also credit my time there to what I've built today. Cause I don't think if I wasn't thrown into such an uncomfortable, unknown situation, I wouldn't have been able to create what I did. So you, you didn't start with the, the, the fit body app just then it was yeah, first building, no. was building your, your account first for, for Instagram. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, this is 2012, late 2012, early 2013. Instagram was not a thing. It was not popular. An influencer did not exist. And that's that was never my goal. Um, I joined Instagram to start giving myself motivation because I lacked it so much. I like I feel bad saying this sometimes, but it's the truth. I hated the idea of working out. I hated the what the fitness industry was back then to me and maybe in my very like I don't know limited knowledge of the fitness industry I thought it was just like all about vanity how you looked and like the end and that's not what I was ever about and why I started working out it was for my health and to yeah get minimize any of the health problems I was having so I created the Instagram account just to start posting things that motivated me I was anonymous for a year. I never posted myself a picture of myself. It was all, it was like just whatever else motivated me. Um, once I did post, but why, why, why did you, sorry to interrupt, but why, why did you choose to just be anonymous for your first year? I, that's fascinating. Like that's like, that's, I mean, because with social media, especially what we know now, like back then is one thing, but what that that kind of pull out kickball change you needs yeah. to be so present, right? So, like to be yeah. anonymous and maybe show a shoulder or a, I, I don't even know nothing. No, literally nothing. nothing. Literally, not one picture of me was ever on that page for a year. In it, in that first year, because Instagram was really just growing. I think my account grew to about three hundred k in like six months. Back then, that was like you know unheard of. And that's when I posted my like quote unquote transformation. Um, but the reason to answer your question, the reason why I was anonymous is because I was embarrassed. I like was coming from a place of no one in my life would have ever expected me to be like someone who worked out type thing. And I like, not to say that that is like a bad thing to be, but back then I was just like, oh, people are going to make fun of me. They're going to judge me. They're going to be like, who are you? Like, you don't know what you're doing type thing. I just, I wanted it to be my own kind of like safe place to where no one who knew me um, was watching. I think that that is how, like one way I was able to thrive in my journey is to, yeah, be anonymous. And with the food and your your relationship mm. with food at the time, could you just share a little bit more of what what you were able to, I guess, train in a way to kind of take perhaps bad habits and for maybe a listener, like some tips or whatnot that, you know, have helped you and motivated you to get from the, the very beginning stages to through where you are now in a, in a better, you know. Yeah. Place. Yeah. So I came from a place of like, eating fast food or just like microwaved meals. I 
was very independent from a young age. I made all my meals pretty much on my own. Um, so what, you know, kid isn't going to, you know, eat the most yummy, unhealthy stuff. And that really set me up to a place where like, that's all I ever craved. And anything healthy was like, absolutely like bland, disgusting. And so that those are two extremes, you know, that like, I really wanted to be sure that like, I found a middle ground to where I could eat healthy and fuel my body and improve my digestion and my GI system and everything. But like, I still want to eat fast food every once in a while, you know, like try to find that balance. And so what helped me, honestly, back in this was 2013, when we were living in China, they had food delivery. Um, You know, like, that's just how their system works for like grocery stores. And Uber Eats wasn't a thing in the US yet. And so I remember being like, oh my gosh, I don't need to go to a grocery store. I can just get my food delivered. That is going to take away so much of that, the impulse buying of junk food. And I can just be at home in a spot of like, I am, I wanting to eat, improve my health. I want to eat according to my goals. So I'm going to buy, you know, food that is whole natural food. That's going to fuel my body and help me with my workouts and everything. So that's something that I credit to my success a lot because in the early days of like transitioning my taste buds, like out of being used to that high end artificial flavored art, you know, like really just, you know, over palatable foods. Um, so what I had at home was none of that. And it was all whole natural foods, thanks to like food delivery. <laughs> Thankfully, now today, we have that in the US too. Um, but again, I didn't want to go to such an extreme to where like, then I could never ever eat what I truly enjoyed. So we would go out once a week and have like, you know, an an indulgent meal and just eat whatever I wanted and not think about how it affects my body. Because I think that that I call, I've always followed like an 80, 20 rule where like 80% of what I eat is whole fresh natural foods. The 20% can be like a weekend meal. Um, and that's food for your soul, you know, like that is just as important to allow yourself that flexibility to just eat and enjoy without thinking about all the rest. So, yeah. And I was going to say, like, how do you manage then like the headspace for that so-called, yeah. you know, cheat day, but like, you know, the, yeah. the, the 20% that is like the yeah. yummy, delicious, like how are you, like, how is that for you? And, and how do you teach others, especially like with your app? of yeah. like, that, that is okay. Like that is absolutely yeah. okay. Um, you know, I think this is such a hard topic because it really depends on the place that each person is coming from. Some people come from a place of disordered eating to where like they can't have like those constraints of like, or even looking at food as like, this is good and this is bad, or this is clean and this is dirty. Like there's no morality with food. There's nothing inherently fattening. There's nothing inherently fat burning. Like food is fuel. Like, and there's some food that is more indulgent and delicious (laughs) and there's other food that is more nutritious and that's it, you know? And just how I look at it is just, balancing the two and like eating in the whatever way supports that person's goals. Someone's goals may not be entirely aesthetics, you know, that could be just to eat healthy and just to feel good. And that's where it's easier, you know, to just say, okay, just balance things out. The hard part is where you get into wanting to achieve physical goals and needing to go into a caloric deficit 
Um, it's not something I recommend for everyone because it really depends on where that person is at with their own food journey. So, um, yeah, I think that how I help people with it really starts with where are they at with their food, um, their relationship with food and what are they able to do? Because there's, it's not worth it to achieve physical results at the expense of your mental health. And that's closely tied with the way a lot of people eat. Absolutely. And for you, um, someone back from in, in 2012 yeah. who acknowledged the relationship that you had with food to where you are today, was it, and I think it's important for listeners to understand and know, was it a quick turnaround for you or how long was your journey to finally come to peace with your relationship with food? And I don't want to say diet because I, I absolutely hate yeah. the word, but just like with food and your, your daily routine. Yeah, I would say about six months. I remember there was like a six month time period from when I started to when I really understood that what I was eating was impacting how I felt and like, forget about the physical side of things. Like I was still eating, I would say like in a gluttonous way, like just like trying to eat all the, like I was eating for taste and for indulgence. Like that's how I grew up eating. And I needed to transition to eating for how the food made me feel. And so I don't like, I've used examples in the past of like, Oh, I was trying to switch from white potatoes to sweet potatoes, but I was still putting sour cream on the sweet potatoes and trying to call it healthy. And I actually don't love that example that I used before for two reasons. White potatoes are not bad. <laughs> now I eat white potatoes now, you know, like there's, again, there's nothing inherently fattening about white rice or white, you know, potatoes or anything like that. So um, this is honestly like something that I would say from those early days of my eating to now that has changed is that I'm less fixated on, I would say, quote unquote, clean eating. You know, like I used to look at food as like, oh, it, it needs to be whole natural foods. It needs to not have an ingredients label. And I do think that there is um, valuable lessons in like learning how to eat whole fresh natural foods, but not be afraid of foods that come in a package, you know? So, yeah. It's always a journey, right? And always a yeah. process. And there, there mm -hmm. truly is no quick fix for any of it. Right. And I, I, I think that, you know, through your journey of what you have built um, under your brand and um, you, you, you got married in the process, you guys mm -hmm. settled. So, so you moved back from China um, to California, correct? First. We moved to Italy <laughs> for three oh, years. <laughs> God, let's talk about your passport. Yeah. Yeah. Because with Luca doing his master's in Shanghai okay. for hospitality, he was moving back to work in his family business, which is the hotel in Rome. And um, I, so in China, because I needed to do something while I was there, you know, I got a student visa to study Mandarin for a year. So that's what I did there. And then when we moved to back to Italy, um, I did my MBA there again. I feel like it sounds like I'm way smarter than I am saying that. I just needed a student visa. <laughs> I was like, this is my next level in like continuing education in order to get, you know, a student visa. So um, I did my MBA there and then I continued on to study Italian, you know, since I was living in Italy after that. So 
Okay, so we put in our back pocket Mandarin, and then we put in the other <laughs> back pocket Italian. All right, I mean, fine. I mean, I I, I don't feel thick at all no, right now. No, it, again, like I said, I just needed a student visa, and it was like an ends to a means, so... It worked out. <laughs> I barely got through high school Spanish. I don't even want to Same think though. About Same though. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you magically come back to the States. Yes. You and Luca get hitched. All mm-hmm. the good stuff. And the fearless couple that you are um, mm-hmm. want to have a child. Yeah. And what a beautiful gift. And it comes, it, it, it can come to you in so many ways. Yes. And your journey involved IVF. Yes. I would love for you to share with the Busy Mumsy listeners your, your journey through IVF. Yeah. So we were, um, we started trying to conceive late uh, 2017. I, I would essentially say January 2018 thought it was going to just happen with a snap of a finger did not happen that way. We went through two years of TTC. One year of that was uh, fertility treatments. We did two IUIs, both failed. And then we decided to take a break. And then if we hadn't conceived by the fall um, of the following year, then we would do IVF. And that is what ended up happening. I remember actually um, since the Women's Health UK event, it was what, April or May 2019. It was in that time of we had done the two IUIs and we're in that like, let's see what happens. And then that fall is, you know, when we did IVF. And I am very grateful. As, as Although it was a very difficult process, we're very lucky that our first transfer did work. So um, it's a silver lining in it all, I guess. So uh, yeah, that's we, a beautiful silver lining. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just doing IVF is not like the kind of, it's not the just flipping a switch and this is going to work. You know, for a lot, it can be multiple failed cycles. And, you know, like you said, that journey can take you to many different places, even embryo adoption, surrogacy adoption. So, Um, But for us, yeah, our first transfer did work. And November 2019 was the transfer. And I delivered August 2020. Ah, what does that make her? I'm so, is it? Leo. Oh, (laughs) I love it. Yeah, Adia was born in February 20th, 2020. So we had had four weeks before the first lockdown, which is madness. So my busy mumsies, as you know from listening to the show, the whole concept of this podcast was to give you a moment to take a break and let you hear the lessons and learnings from other great mamas who are up to big things in the world and fabulous things. But of course, this show is also unapologetically about the ups and downs of parenting life. Not every day is all rainbows and unicorns. So when I do find something that I know can make a positive impact for you, I'm excited to share. And my sponsor of today's episode is definitely one of my secret hacks for making a positive impact on my day. Every Ready, Set, Jet product is formulated to be vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, gluten-free, environmentally conscious, and developed with love in Los Angeles. But the goodness that they put into the world isn't the only reason I love them. Their beauty batons are designed to be the ultimate on-the-go beauty essentials. They do everything. 
They cleanse, hydrate, and deliver full face, buildable color. My beauty batons are almost as essential as my coffee. And let me just say, y'all know how important that coffee is to my life. Ready, Set, Jet is perfect for nonstop lifestyles and wanderlust travelers. Complements all skin tones and skin ages. Contains rich, high pigment color, meaning a little goes a long way. Is marine-powered skincare with antioxidants and youth-restoring ingredients. Bring on the youth. I tell ya, that's right, my fellow mama bears. I said it, youth-restoring. Can you see why I am so excited to share this with you? So you can now discover why I am such a super fan of Ready Set Jet's products. The team over there have created an exclusive deal just for Busy Mumsy podcast listeners. So when you click the link in the show notes right now, you can get 30% off their amazing beauty batons, which are three skincare and makeup sticks that can replace your entire makeup bag. Trust me, Busy Mumsies, you will love these. Head to the link in the show notes right now and don't forget to use the listener-only code BUSY30. That's B-I-Z-Z-I-3-0 when you check out to get that 30% off. See how Ready Set Jet's amazing range can inspire you to live in your skin and transform the world. Now on with the show. My mom lives in Florida and my brother's in Virginia and I swear COVID never happened there. So we we talked about that um, because it just didn't happen there. Right, Um, right. How was it? navigating for you with, you know, you know, delivering in August of 2020? Yeah. Um, so we had, we were living in LA, um, early 2020, but, um, late or sorry, I would say August, 2019. So before we did the transfer, we bought a house in Austin, Texas, and it was a new build. And so we knew it was going to be sometime early, mid to early 2020, that we would be moving. But again, this was 2019. We had no idea what was going to happen. So um, I remember doing my gender reveal party March 7th. And friends, family flew in from all over. We didn't know it was going to be our last weekend altogether. The next weekend was pretty much when everything shut down in the US. And it was it was a scary time. Living in LA, it definitely like, COVID was definitely very, very real there and very taken very, very seriously. Um, we do get people asking us, like, did you move to Texas because of COVID? No, like it had nothing to do with it. It was just a complete coincidence. We moved here because we wanted to buy a house, you know, and living in LA, you need millions and millions of dollars. And we really have always approached our, like, life in terms of spending of like, we want to put everything back into the business. So like we wanted to be sure that we could move somewhere where we could buy a house and still prioritize putting everything back into the app and continuing to develop and make it better and better. So we, you know, moved to Austin, Texas, more affordable, um, cost of living, all that stuff. And, um, yeah, essentially just better better life also for Aurora. I mean, I'm and I'm I'm a New Yorker to my core. Yeah. I love New yeah. York, but I when it comes to when I look at Adia now, I'm like, I I, I want to live in the suburbs. Like I want a house and a yard, and I want the mm-hmm. space and the schools that the opportunity. I I mean, of course, there's yeah. opportunity in cities. Of course, there yeah. is. Um, it just comes then with living in a smaller space. If it, it, right. it just comes with all the 
all yeah. the there's pros and cons to both, but like we knew that this was like the next season in our life and we absolutely love it here. Just the community, like you said, the space, you know, like we couldn't imagine still being in an apartment or in just a smaller house with no yard in LA. We have a golden retriever. Like honestly, when we were first looking at houses, we were like, we want a yard for Rigatoni. Like we want him to be able to run around. Um, we knew that we would eventually, hopefully, get pregnant. So that was the second part of it. But yeah, so with my delivery, um, we never imagined in a million years that we would be so alone. Um, we planned for his mom to come from Italy for the first three months of my pregnancy. There was no way that was going to be able to happen in August 2020. My mom couldn't even come from California. And um not only were we completely alone, I had, um, I don't know if I can call it a traumatic birth experience, but it was just, you know, less than ideal. It was 15 hours of labor with a C-section and my recovery was really difficult, like physically, mentally, emotionally being alone, having no one, we didn't know anyone around us in our neighborhood. We do now, but back then we were completely alone. So it was a, a really tough time. How did you, I mean, I, I, I know Luca will be your biggest cheerleader and he's there mm -hmm. by your side, but how did you handle postpartum um, with the stress of not only that, and, and it's a beautiful stress to have, sorry, but you yeah, know, you, of course. Yeah. Like that away, but um, dealing with that, but then also your business and during a time that was, I mean, you had the app by then. So that was very much like digital, digital, digital. So that's great. Yes. But business in period. I mean, you, I mean, you could be a school teacher, you could be anything and it's, you've had a child, you can't see anyone. And, you know, you had a delivery that wasn't, as you said, it wasn't exactly how you had planned it yeah. to be. How did you handle it all? Um, you know, I feel like. I have always been someone that like I'm in my corner. Like I, I think that maybe sometimes I go too easy on myself, but I think it's a good thing to have. Like I, I extend myself the grace that I think is necessary and I don't guilt myself for it. So I do think that I felt okay internally, externally is where I felt the pressure. I felt the pressure from like a social media side of things to like create content and like create these programs and like be physically like visibly present. And that's where I really struggled of like, I wasn't in a place where like I wanted to be showing everything on Instagram. Like I did show some of the struggle, but it wasn't like the pre baby 24 seven, what I'm doing every single day. It was like a few times a week checking in and like the truth is that in this like constant overconsumption of social media in people's lives, like that did hurt us. Like it did. Like if I'm not providing that content, people want it. You know, they're going to go to someone else who is giving it to them. And I knew that me taking a step back from like being so present was going to hurt, you know, like I would say like more my, so not so much the business. The business was actually doing great because of COVID, people looking for at-home workouts, you know, and we had already been doing that for so long and we're such an established platform. That side was great. It was more the social media side that like I felt that pressure, but I was really like, 
I only have so much to give and I need to protect myself, you know, and I need to reserve the energy that I have for like trying to make my way through this postpartum time period without putting myself, without spreading myself too thin. And how, I mean, aside from taking back and you weren't posting as much, Mm -hmm. what then were you doing behind closed doors to work on yourself and take care of you? Yeah, I would say I was just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to answer, to be honest, because like I wasn't doing nothing, you know, like I wasn't just sitting there. I was like obviously taking care of my daughter and like, I did still have like work work to do, like actual like app development and teamwork. There's like two sides of my job, you know, that one is like app related side, like actual business development, like app development. And the other side is like social media content creation. They're two very different things. And so I really just like put myself more into like the business side of things and taking care of, yeah, of that side. Um, I did work out, but I didn't, I didn't want to feel pressured to get back in shape just because of my social media. I think that I've always been someone that like beneath it kind of pushes against uh, societal expectations of things. And I like, to be honest, I feel like I was like, oh, people want to see a bounce back. Like, I'm not going to give it to you. Like, I'm going to like take my time and do what's right for me. Like, and honestly, I did see so many women in the fitness industry do that bounce back. And I'm just like, and people love it. Congratulations. And did you get a medal? <laughs> I, yeah, it's so hard because I do say like, kudos to you. Like that is amazing. Like if that is your priority, I don't ever want to shame anyone for that. But like, I do think of it from the bigger picture of like, what impact am I having on the larger scale of like women who this isn't their job, you know, seeing people bounce back in three months, like they're going to feel that same expectation and it's, that's not fair. And so I think that I did like underneath, I was like, I'm just going to take my time and like, I'm going to be sure that I resume exercising in a healthy way, in a realistic way, in a way that I think everyone can. Like I really did not resume my like I don't want to call it a pre-baby routine. I didn't resume like a super focused fitness schedule for like a year until I was a year postpartum. Honestly, it was when I was done breastfeeding. Actually, I was exclusively pumping. That's a whole nother side of the discussion. Um, And it was actually 14 months that I was done. So it was when I was like, okay, I'm done focusing on you know, nurturing my daughter. She wouldn't accept formula. I think formula is amazing. She just would not accept it. So I was stuck exclusively pumping until I was ready to wean her. And that's when I started focusing on my fitness journey. Well, I, I have to say, Anna, this goes back to what I said very at, at the very, very beginning that you are fearless because you work your, your full, your full work is around social media and the app, of course, of course, the FitBody app, yeah. amazing. <laughs> but you started your journey and you've created an army through social media. And it's a very brave and it's a very real, real thing to be vulnerable and everything. But again, it goes back to you went through a year journey of postpartum and you were fearless and you still chose to be you and do you. And I think for any listener 
um, that is listening to this, I, I hope they take in that it is okay to be fearless and take in their own journey, that it's not about that, the, the A, the quick fix, but then also the, you know, that, you know, rapid, well, I saw what, what they did in the magazine, so I just have to do that. And then it's, it just magically happens. There's a lot of restorative stuff that has to happen from within. Mm-hmm. There truly, truly is. So now you are a thriving, thriving, busy mumsy. Um, how is motherhood? Oh, it gets better. I mean, it's, I honestly, the first year was so hard. Um, really hard balancing everything and um, trying to do it all, which I think is not possible. You know, it's just not. And um, I would say that the first year was really hard, but now it just gets better and better and better. I think that there's probably like a correlation there of getting out of that like postpartum time period for me to where I could like really start to enjoy it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that's ever changing. I think that every single season, how old is your dog? She's a little bit older than Aurora, yeah, right? Yeah, she, she's like two and some change, like yeah. two, okay. two years, and like three months. Yeah. I think that this, these last like six months, it is, there's, there has been almost like a switch, a flip switch, you know, that, it's just getting better and better. And not that there's not struggles. There absolutely are. She's sleep is a nightmare. You know, like she refuses to go to sleep in her crib. I have to lay on the ground every night with her for about 30 to 60 minutes for her to fall asleep. I literally, I I think what happened is I was laying on my shoulder for so long, so many days and weeks, week after week that I ended up having like a tendon get stuck under another one and I couldn't lift my arm. And I told Luca, I was like, Luca, we got to figure something out with this sleep situation. Cause that's my, of the duties in the household, mine is putting her down to sleep. And I was like, yeah, we got it there. That's a real thing of like all the little things that we repeatedly do as a result of taking care of our children, holding them on one side. And, you know, after weeks and weeks of doing that, the ways it impacts your body, you know, it's, it's just another one of the things that you have to be aware of and, and go through, but yeah. Well, now that you are, you know, well, well, you're in it and you're going to figure that out. You're just going to have to flip. Yeah. The you know what? Busy Mom, mumsies have broad shoulders. Flip to the other one. I know. I, know. I actually, actually, when did you, or is she in a crib still or is she in a toddler bag? Is, uh, you know what? I'll be very honest. I still put her in a sleeping bag and I don't even know if yeah. I'm still technically yeah. supposed to be doing that, but there is no mom shaming here. No, and yeah. she's got very long legs and that child I know <gasps> can climb out of that crib. I want to oh keep her God. in that crib just a, just a smidge longer. Yeah. I mean, me too. Luca is the one that he's like, I want to change her to a toddler bed. And I'm like, I don't know if she's ready. So that's where we're at. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? My, my husband is big chunks of the time in Uganda and, oh, um, wow. yeah. So we, I, we always laugh. I am the, your quintessential unsingle single mom. Oh, and, uh, so I, I basically get to make all of these decisions. So if yeah. he were to even say that he was, yeah, put her in a toddler bed, I'd be like, no, we're yeah, not right. Doing so right. Oh, we, we, we shall figure that one out. Well, yeah. um, now that you are well into, well, you, you're, you're nearing the terrible twos. Yeah? You're, you're, yes. you're, oh, get ready, honey. Get ready. Get ready. Put a helmet on and get ready. 
Um, now that you are nearing the terrible twos with the glorious Aurora, what would be some busy mumsy advice that you would like to hand down to our listeners? All right. Um, I'm going to keep it in the, I guess the context of taking care of yourself. That is, you know, working out. That's my specialty. Um, I would say, you know, I don't necessarily love the recommendation. I think it works for some, but the idea of like work out during their nap and have their nap be the time that you do everything. I think it does absolutely work for some, but like I use that time to like zone out and like do nothing and just relax. I think that that's really important time. So I think that like in every other day situation, maybe of like workouts during the nap time, but something that I've noticed that has really worked and helped a lot is like bringing your, bringing your baby along with you, like letting them be there and play on the floor. Or obviously it has to be a safe environment if there are weights involved, but you know, just taking advantage of any time that you have and incorporating it them with you so that you don't feel like you're taking time away from yourself. Cause I think that it's really important to allow yourself that time to decompress and relax and, and, um, yeah, just be yourself, you know? So I think that that's, yeah, you, you know, and I, I actually want to ask what, one more question uh, yeah. of advice from you, cause not only is it advice to the busy mumsies of like what you've learned and, and that is great. And I, and I do love to have them incorporate like work out with you and be yeah. around you when they see you move. Cause mm-hmm. is, it just, it literally just like feeds the soul and it's such a wonderful thing for children to move at a very young age. Yeah. But I also want to ask you, cause so many parents struggle with identity and mm-hmm. for you being a very fearless woman, it's going to go, I'm going to take it right back to being fearless. What tip would you, adv- what, what could you give advice to for someone who is struggling and trying to find that identity of trying to be fearless and, and just, and, and not self-doubt like what, yeah. what, what there? I mean, I just always think about like, we are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. We can do so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And we are so much more than like the labels that people put on us being a mom, being a business owner, even, you know, like all the things, like, I think that not putting yourself in a box, not limiting yourself and just going for it, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, I just think the sky's the limit. I always think of the quote, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. A lot of, there's so much in life that is like just your perspective. You, your, your perspective is your reality. Like you can create your own reality by believing in yourself and putting yourself out there. And I do think that it's really hard to do that in a postpartum time period. And I honestly, like, I almost feel like telling people sometimes like, go for it, do whatever you want. Like, you are more than a mom. Sometimes that even can feel like pressure, you know, like I think just letting people live in the moment that they're in, but like encouraging them, like when you're ready, like, don't be afraid to go out there and do what it is that you want to do and what you want to invest your time in. Um, yeah, I think that just extending grace to people and not making them feel like they have to push to be anything in particular. 
but encouraging them at the same time. It's kind of a balance between the two. I love that. <laughs> and I love that. I will, I'm, I'm going to press rewind when we, when we sign okay. off, because I want to hear that all again, because I think that, <laughs> Well, you, you, you need to hear that from other people and you know, that that's what that just keeps on lifting others up. Can I say something that I've actually thought about recently and had to like reconcile myself is that I remember, like I said, when I was in China and I was posting and I wanted to be anonymous, it really helped me thrive because I knew that no one was watching. No one was judging me. No one I knew anyways. Um, and now that like, I'm in kind of like I'm kind of in that same spot again of like when I was in China and like just starting my fitness journey and trying to figure things out and really getting uncomfortable, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable all the time. I'm kind of in that spot again now with postpartum, you know, and I've found myself like having thoughts of like, Oh, what's so-and-so going to think, or people are judging me or now I have all these friends, you know, like what are they thinking? Stop. Like, stop thinking about it. Like, stop thinking about what other people are thinking of you and just do it. Like, because chances are they're probably looking at you and being like, dang, I wish I could do that. I wish I was that fearless. Yeah, and we I, can get so we can get so stuck in what do other people think and make that belittle our ambitions when the reality is what do people think? They're probably like, yeah, I wish I could do that. So that's something that I've had to, like, keep reminding myself of and not being afraid to just go for it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Busy Mumsy podcast. If you have enjoyed this week's show, then please, please give it some extra love wherever you download your podcast and give it a five-star rating, a high five, a kickball change, a yes, yes, go Busy Mumsies. And don't forget, you can find out more information about this week's guest, what we discussed, and everything else related to the world of Busy Mumsy by clicking the link in the show notes down below. Before we sign off, I have to give one final shout out to the beautiful team over at Ready, Set, Jet, who are my much-loved sponsors for this episode. Myself and Ready, Set, Jet founder, Shalina Vadera are great friends who connected over two common bonds, a skill for balancing family with entrepreneurship and a deep passion for empowering others to live confidently in their own beauty. So I want you to head to the show notes, click the link, and use the code BUSY30 for a 30% off of your purchase for Ready, Set Jet. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.